Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And in three, two, and one. This week, this, 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 this week, this week, this, 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 this week. This week in Geek. This week in Geek, we cover the Pokemon World Championships, Six Flags, and Warner Brothers. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another Week in Geek. This is our second episode of the This Week in Geek podcast coming off of doing the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. I don't know how much longer I'm going to continue to remind people about um, our last podcast, but I'm going to do it, I guess, until I um, forget to remember or until I remember to forget. Either way, I'm not sure how that would really work. But anyway, how have you been, Kevin? Uh, I've been doing pretty good. I've just been uh, chilling, trying to uh, figure out if there's a... Okay, so my 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 dad is proposing like a really interesting thing for me to try for like a month. So I'll give you more details coming up next week. Okay. Um, but essentially, like, he, he wants to see how quickly... Or like how how strong I can do in like content creation if you know I could go all out. So he he's like, we're we're gonna we're gonna try this. I have to plan out everything before I go ahead with it. But um, in September there there's probably gonna be a lot of like news coming out my way. But uh, I'll let you guys know coming next week. I promise. Okay. Okay. Uh, what about you, Matt? How's everything going on your end? Um, I'm just stressed. I feel just that. very, very <laughs> stressed. The show is like has been in premieres week and like yesterday. Um, I had to be up at like five a.m. and we didn't even get like we we didn't log off officially until nine p.m. and <laughs> at nine they're like, oh, never mind. We'll just post it anyway. But then they didn't post it at 9 p.m. And then we had to post it in the morning at um, 9 a.m. So it's just it's been like that. I'm just very stressed and very tired. Uh, I slept through my alarm (laughs) this morning. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that wasn't great. I thankfully woke up like in just enough time that it wasn't too late. Like within the half hour I woke up, which is which is fine. But yeah, that's been me just very stressed trying to keep it together. So, Kevin, did your did your dad watch uh, House of the Dragon and did you by chance take a peek with him? Uh, he did watch House of the Dragon. Uh, he okay. I like walked out one day and he's just I'm just like, you're going to watch that new uh, that new Game of Thrones thing. And he's like, yeah, I, I heard it's a prequel. And I'm like, yeah, I think I think that's how it is. And so. Yeah, he he watched it. I got a glance of it. I'm not like a huge, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not huge into it. So I I just let him watch it and let him enjoy it. And I was like, okay, cool. Like I didn't ask him how it was yet, but 
I I noticed that he was watching it when I when I was last out there. So I'll get his take pretty soon. Yeah, I watched it. Of course, I watched it. I said I would watch it, but I was like fairly into Game of Thrones when mm. it was actually going. I didn't start watching it until I think they were on season three or four. So I'd like rapidly binge through it. Um, I watched the first season after I read the first book because from what I'd heard, like it's it's very difficult to watch the first season because they give so many names and like the world is already kind of existed. They don't do a whole lot of world building very slowly. It's kind of just dropping you into it. Um, so reading the first book really helped me get into it. And then the way that they start the, this show house of the dragon, it's based on um, the book fire and blood, which is half I think of George R. R. Martin's planned like history of the Targaryens and I've read fire and blood, but I think the difficulty for me in remembering everything that happened is that it's, it's like a, it's a family history. It's kind of like a genealogy of the Targaryens. So it's following this family throughout the generations of the family. Um, I said family twice there, but it's following the Targaryens throughout multiple generations of their family history and like their names are so weird like fantasy names like in general are yeah. i think difficult to remember and a lot of the time really really stupid like just to just to go on the lord of the rings thing here but like you have like finway and finrod and finarfin and fingolfin and just <laughs> i i've seen people say oh my god J.R.R. tolkien was so good with names like look at that guy he's definitely an aragorn and look at him he's definitely a legolas like you couldn't name him anything else and then it's just like i i, I bring up again finarfin fingolfin finrod fin just fin 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 and that's i i hate fantasy names i, I like reading fantasy i just hate fantasy names because it's just a jumble of word letters together that just people think sound cool and it's just annoy- just name your guy Brian. <laughs> I swear, just name your guy Brian. We'll be fine. He doesn't have to be like super immersive. Um, but please don't name your guy Matt because then that might ruin my life. Um, I'm so I'm still so very glad that Tommy Wiseau did not remember that the actor who played um, Tom Ripley in The Talented Mr. Ripley, his name was Matt Damon instead of Mark Damon. I will eternally be grateful for his poor memory there. Um, But anyway, like going into like reading House of the Dragon was difficult because like you have all these names. It's following the same family. and It was so easy to get like the generations mixed up, whereas opposed to like reading Game of Thrones proper. It's like it's a continuous storyline. It's all one timeline. It's not like hopping back and forth between time. Um, And the names are different enough. Like the Targaryen names are all very similar. Um, and the dragon names are kind of crazy and weird too. Uh, but I think I I just, that was easier for me. So I, I completely forgotten what happens a lot of the time in, uh, no, I pretty much completely forgotten fire and blood. I've read it, but I don't remember it. So watching, um, watching house of the dragon for me, I don't remember anything about it. Uh, I went, I'm going into this, like completely blind and i at first 
like the beginning of the show is really kind of slow. I had to put on subtitles so I could like understand people's names again and remember who's who. Um, but once you get to like the tournament scene, if you do decide to watch it or those of you who haven't watched it or, or whatever, if you, when you get to the tournament scene, that's when it starts to pick up. And that's when it's like, okay, I remember what game of Thrones is about. Um, there's also spoiler alert. There's also like one scene with Matt Smith and like, the showrunners are like, oh, yeah, this show is not going to have a lot of sex and, and gratuitous nudity. And then like 20 minutes into it, it's like, oh, Matt Smith is just having sex with whores. Great. Like it's it's just all all there. Lovely. So Matt Smith is like, bitch, you thought. <laughs> um, But overall, I think for me, I, I really enjoyed it overall. I liked how they were able to manufacture a lot of tension throughout the scene. I like how they were able to set up the dynamics of the main characters being all family members and set up the antagonisms that are coming between them later on. Um, I think for me, it was an issue that like. Spoiler alert, there is a um, there's a really graphic C-section scene in this episode uh and I, I remember a lot of the criticisms of the original game of thrones series were that there is a lot of just unnecessary and gratuitous violence towards women and they kind of like relished in that um if you listen to the the after talk back thing that they do the behind the scenes um, the showrunners are like, we wanted to kind of make this episode very woman centric and show like things from women's perspectives, like the, the horrible things that they had to go through. Um, and it's like back in the day, yes, like childbirth was a horrific thing where a lot of women did die because they didn't have a lot of the same medical advances, technique strategies that we have now. But I think it, for me, it was just and I had to talk to a couple other people about it. Um, and I understand where they were going through, like depicting this C-section scene, but I think it was a little gratuitous. And it, for me, at least it felt a little much, which is weird saying that about Game of Thrones, things being violence and, and stuff being a little bit much. But like, I don't know, it was it was hard to watch that scene. But overall, I did like it. I did enjoy it. So this weekend, actually, me there's a there's an exhibit for House of the Dragon going on at the Natural History Museum by me. So this weekend, um, for another podcast like I host, uh, Mars on Life, a bunch of us are gonna go and check that out. But I'll let y'all know what I think of it and if it's was any good and if it was worth the fifteen dollars I paid to get into the Natural History Museum plus the five dollars I donated to them to make it an even twenty. But yeah, we'll see. Anyway, Kevin, speaking of of animals that don't actually exist in the real world like dragons, tell us about Pokemon. Yeah, uh, we had kind of a big weekend for Pokemon. Um, the World Championships were this weekend, and uh, I had the, uh, the bright idea to destroy my sleep schedule in order to watch this. Um, so we were able to cover a lot of it. By the way, it was in London, so a lot of uh, the time difference is... Uh, we're minus eight or it's plus eight for, for us. So when they're starting at 9 a.m., it's 1 a.m. for us. <laughs> uh, it happens. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to go over the big highlights. We're just going to go over the top uh, wins and what came out of it. Um, so for VGC, which is the video game competitive, um, 
Eduardo Cana from Portugal uh, ended up winning um, using a Zacian Calyrex Shadow uh, Incineroar Rillaboom Gastrodon Thunderous team. Um, just a pretty solid, well-balanced team. Really interesting that neither Groudon or Kyogre was used just because uh, for weather settings, usually a lot of teams like to run that. Um, but yeah, they decided to go with the Calyrex Shadow. Really did pay off for them. Um, this with this win, it puts Gastrodon at the same number of championship wins as Groudon and Kyogre, which is kind of crazy. Um, essentially, like Gastrodon has championship wins equal to legendaries, um, just because of its mainly because of its abilities and its typing. So, uh, congrats to Gastrodon for for doing good. Um, moving on to TCG, which is the trading card game. Um, Ondrej Schoolball of of uh, the Czech Republic won over um, Daichi Shimura from Japan uh, using an Arceus V-Star uh, flying Pikachu deck. Um, really, really basic uh, like setup and deck. Uh, one off of a card called Boss's Orders, um, which is essentially it's a it's a card that forces your Pokemon, that your active Pokemon, to be switched with a bench Pokemon. Um, and they drew it at the right time, being able to switch it out, and that that's literally what sealed the game for them. Um, so congrats on that. Um, moving to the fighting game portion, we're going to be talking about Pokémon Tournament. Um, Shadow Cat from the U.S. ended up winning it, um, winning it all. He climbed through Last Chance Qualifiers, Loser's Bracket, and a Bracket Reset, um, in order to take the game uh, and utilized a Decidueye Crogrunk uh, team, uh, fought against a Darkrai uh, Victini team, I believe. So um, just a lot of like really high-level play. Um, Pokémon still confuses my brain, but I, I like the <laughs> I like the gameplay of it. It it starts in 3D and then it goes to 2D. I don't I don't know where it goes. It's just kind of all over there. Um, now we're moving on into the newcomers to the Pokemon World Championship bracket. Um, Pokemon Go. Uh, Dancing Rob is the champion there. It climbed from loser's bracket as well. He had to win nine straight. Uh, lost his first game and ended up climbing all the way back to the top to secure the first ever Pokemon Go Championship, which is really cool. Um, and now for Pokemon Unite. Uh, Black Hand from North America won over Nounce Esports um, in EU. Um, honestly, great gameplay by the whole team. Uh, Overlord, Jungle Book, uh, Curios, uh, Elo, and Slashcan, they all did really great. And they didn't drop a single match during top eight and just played really, really well. Um, at the end of the whole event, uh, Pokemon announced where their next Worlds is going to be held. And um, lucky for us, it is going to be in Yokohama, Japan. So uh, definitely giving me something to look forward to next year. And uh, gonna hopefully be there. Hopefully have a way of casting or uh, just being able to watch the event live. Uh, we'll definitely have to see how that plays out. But um, a great weekend for Pokemon um, World Championships. Uh, we're also waiting on a little bit more uh, announcement about you know Scarlet and Violet when it does come out um, closer to November. Um, if we are gonna get any of that. Um, but yeah, that is that is it for Pokemon World Championship coverage. Um, on top of that, uh, I, I did make a, uh, I did make a trip to McDonald's. 
and I did get a Happy Meal. Um, You'll never <laughs> guess what I had for lunch today. Did, did you get? Did you get more McHappy Meal? I got two. <laughs> now, <sighs> did did you also get the Victini box multiple times or? No, I got one. So last time I went, I got a Victini and I got a Smeargle. This time okay. I got two Pikachu's. Okay, so they they must be rotating it through the week. That's just I guess. Did okay. you get two? Did you get two Victinis or, or multiple uh, Victinis? I I just I just got two Victinis because I I went at the same time and I just ordered two. So okay. it might be like a bi week thing. I might have to head back and get my weekly McDonald's. <laughs> um, but yeah, for Pokemon overall great great weekend um i had a serious case of fomo and uh i i really want to be back there uh next year when when it does happen again so hopefully uh hopefully we'll be over there for you like what is your like i know you're big into like pokemon go right now but like if you could cast one thing of pokemon be it like the cards or like just actual like pokemon game or Mm -hmm. or or the pokemon tournament or or pokemon go if if you were approached to have your pick of what to cover for next year's pokemon world championships what would you uh, where would you go i'm already on on the unite train so okay i I said go i said i meant pokemon unite that's what it's all good it's all good um that's that's the thing though like this is the thing that's like kind of it's kind of sad but at the same time it's like i i get it um they were originally supposed to have five casters for pokemon unite where you had one host and two sets of commentators covering everything mm-hmm. um which is good it was, a good it was a good idea um but i i'm gonna probably mention this in a in a later video but we were discussing um why don't we have a second stream you know like we don't we don't have like a there 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 were games that were played off stream that we as the audience didn't get to see um but even if it was on like a second stream or like if you wanted to for example like we had a bunch of different teams from all over the place so like we had you know south american teams we had uh indian teams we had teams from uh europe and you know apac and all over the place um this is the first time ever that we're ever going to see these teams face off against each other. And Mm -hmm. the fact that only the main stage got, you know, casting and commentary was kind of, I I wouldn't say underwhelming. It was just the fact that we're we're missing out on history. We're missing out on games that we could otherwise be learning from. Uh And like, it it was just a little sad about that. Um, Also one out of the five commentators, one of them got, denied their visa to go to the worlds oh so uh yeah it it just made it a little awkward where it's just like yo if if i i felt like if i was there and i said hey i have a suit i can cast if you need me let me know (laughs) i i would i would have been on stage I, I think that would have been it. Like even even if they uh-huh. had to sign a little bit extra paperwork, like I I wouldn't mind doing that on the spot. But like I I want to be there next year, either in the stands or as a commentator. Um, if hypothetically, let, let's say let's say if like unite like 
I, I don't even get a shot whatsoever. My second most comfortable game would be VGC, which is the video game competitive because I love I love the intricacies that go into that. I love mm-hmm. like a lot of people think like, oh, well, you just get big Pokemon, you smack them with big attack, right? Um, but there's like a whole in, in VGC, it's doubles. So you always have to think about like, okay, well, what is the counterplay to this? What can I what can I get away with? What can I play? Right and so on and so forth so that's why it always gets like kind of crazy when it does come down to like oh like they're playing this pokemon well i can do this regular thing that normally would happen or do i counter with something else and it's it's really interesting uh lots of lots of intricacies in the game but i i respect it um but yeah uh, just a overall great weekend for pokemon and uh hopefully i'll have a little bit more going for me uh, heading into next uh, next year and you know hopefully more stuff in the unite community uh, as we move forward so definitely gonna have to see how that plays out now if you're a competitor if you were somehow like ooh, if you made it if you were able to to get yourself into compete in this which which game do you think would you want to to take on I mean, I play a really mean Blissey in Unite. Um, if if anybody, like, I I love I love Blissey just because you get to go around and like hand people eggs. Can I can I offer you an egg in these trying times? You know, that's me. <laughs> I just come up and I toss an egg, uh, and save the team. But um, when it when it does come down to it, like if I could ever get a get a squad together for Unite, I definitely would take a shot at it. Um. I would also love to compete in VGC if I ever had the time. Um, I just know that it takes a long time and a lot of like, it takes a lot of effort to like grind that. And that is something that takes like, it's just a lot of brain power and like little intricacies um, that, that really go into it. And it's kind of crazy. So, mm-hmm. That doesn't mean I wouldn't give like any of the other games a shot. I just think that like I need to learn how they operate. You think you you just your best shot is going to be on Unite. I think my best shot is in Unite and I think my second best is VGC. Okay. Uh moving on from Pokémon stuff, we'll be moving on into more party stuff cuz why not? Let's let's talk about Jackbox. Um if you guys don't know, Jackbox Party Packs are kind of like a party game that is played. It's operated through your computer, um, but it is managed through other computers uh, such as phones or tablets. Um, and they're they're usually party games. Like you have all these different like ways of getting a bunch of people to play one game through their phone um, and usually on a big screen with everybody gets gets the party started get kind of a really good icebreaker game um they just announced jackbox party pack nine which there are they are on number nine now believe it or not um and they have announced the games list for this um and i'm i'm kind of excited because i tend to, to host these jackbox party pack games with like a bunch of friends um sometimes online communities like if if we do have a stream day for it we'll we'll go for it um but otherwise we won't really worry about it um but jackbox party pack 9 um no official release date yet uh but they have announced the games there's going to be five of them on this game um 
we'll start with the top and move our way down. So um, Fibbage 4. Essentially, Fibbage makes its way back. Um, it's a 2-8 to f- two to eight player game. Um, and it's all about bluffing. Um, it's, <laughs> it's all about bluffing believable answers and making your opponent think that that is the right answer. Um, so, for example, uh, if, if the question was like, how many how many fingers does a human have on their hand right and let's just say it's not common knowledge uh people could put like 9 11 uh 12 uh 10 will be up there and then like 7 or something like that right and you're trying to get people to guess the wrong answer guess your answer so definitely a fun game to play with friends uh Sometimes you just get really hilarious answers and people will vote for it because it's funny. Um, (laughs) Moving on to the next one. These are all newer games that have never been tested or seen on other Jackbox Party Pack games before. Um, So these are going to be a little bit weird for me to explain, but I promise you I'm trying to make it as easy as possible. Um, The first one is going to be Quick Sort, um, which is a trivia game where you have to sort falling answers Um, in the proper order before time is up. Um, Essentially, they will give you something that you have to put in order and you have to stack it in the correct order um, before the the time is up. Um, It is a uh, a 1 to 10 player game um, and it really does depend on how how well you operate and work with your teammates. Um, The next one is called Junktopia. it's a three to eight player game. Essentially, you get like these really funny objects and you have to create a backstory for said object and then get them appraised by your peers. Um, I, I, we don't know how it operates yet, but that's just that's the description that that comes with it. So hopefully it's funny. I'm hoping that it's along the lines of um, like the art appraiser game. I forgot what that was. Uh, Bidiots from from Jackbox from earlier Jackbox games. Um, and we'll we'll see. Um, moving on after that, we have Nonsensory, which is a three to eight player game. Um, it is a drawing, writing, and guessing game, and other players are going to be voting on the best answer. Um, kind of a really straightforward, like fun game. Uh, so we'll see how that works. And then the last one is called Rumorang, which is a four to nine player game uh, where you respond to prompts and kind of role play the the role that they give you. Uh, so we don't know how well this is going to be played out. I'm probably going to get it on release because I have all the other party packs already. You might as well. I might as well pick this one up. I mean, I love I love the Jackbox party pack games. Uh, they tend to bring a lot of people in. Um, and it's a good way to like really talk with like it's a good way to like break the ice with newer viewers and whatnot. So definitely think about it if you are like either hosting a party or just want to kill time um, i would highly recommend the jackbox party pack um here we don't know when it's coming out i think they said quarter i think they said quarter four this year so it's probably like closer to the end of the year um definitely games that you could play with like your entire extended family um that's probably the best time to for them to try to release this and um yeah it's going to be really fun to see so um, it's twenty six ninety nine pre order on their current site. You could also pre order it through Steam. Um, so definitely keep that in mind if you are going to go ahead and uh, and get the party pack. 
Uh, Matt, have you played any of the Party Pack games, and which one is your favorite, if you have? I've played... Um, I don't remember which one. I, I, I've played Jackbox with friends before, mm-hmm. so... Um, there's one I know where you can like make t-shirts and I think oh isn't yeah they're like TKO yeah isn't there a way to like actually get the shirt made yes okay there's there's been a few like very interesting shirt designs that have end up being made that my friends and I just like okay I want to actually get that on a shirt but we just didn't want to do it but I think that's probably one of my favorite ones just because it's they're so wacky, and there's some designs like again, I would actually wear that on a shirt. <laughs> uh, ours is the complete opposite when we end up playing TKO. Like, I play with a bunch of like artists, so like uh-huh. they're all from art school, and so they'll draw something like really, really like detailed, and yeah. then like the description is something so stupid, and we'll, we'll all vote on it, and we'll be like, e- Yeah, I probably <laughs> like I, this shirt rocks, like, this shirt is funny, like, it's it'll be like a high definition picture of like walter white like drawn on a shirt and it just says like give me the crack (laughs) you're like like, "Mm, okay (laughs) like i I wouldn't wear it but (laughs) sure um oh no (laughs) we had one (laughs) we had one with a block of tofu with a gun and it just (laughs) says where are the children (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what is this shirt? <laughs> Wait, I would, I would wear again. I would wear that. Yeah, it's just so funny to like know that these shirts exist somewhere. Um, but See, yeah, unfortunately, we haven't gotten any of these printed. <laughs> See, just... when I did it, like none of us were artists. Like, we're not we couldn't do like me. We're artists in another sense, but like we're not, we're not draw. We can't draw. Um, so all of our drawings were really, really crappy. And I can't remember what the exact photo was. I think it was just like. No, I don't remember what the photo was, but the phrase was Shakespeare was wrong. And for <laughs> some reason, it just like they matched up so well. And like people were like no joke, like this actually fits. I would wear this. Yeah, the, that's why these are like it, it's a great game. I would also say one of my personal favorites is um, Madverse City. Um I think that's on Party Pack 7. Um, essentially, it's Mad Gab, then meets Rap Battle. Um, it, it's a really fun concept. So if you ever do have somebody who has, I believe, 7, uh, Jackbox Party Pack 7, uh, try out Madverse City. Uh, speaking of things that are coming out and releasing, um, I'm going to go into the current manga releases for this week. There's only two really big ones that I know that a lot of people have on their list. Um, The first one being Blue Lock 2. Um, Blue Lock being the soccer, um, the high stakes soccer show um, that is, uh, it's going around. Um, I saw, I read book one and I greatly enjoyed it. Um, It's essentially this idea of like, if you're the striker on a, a soccer team you have to be the most egotistical like person ever and it's really funny because like you have this whole like story of like oh well soccer's about 11 players on the on the team because they're all here and like that's what most you know sports anime is it's like we're a team we're gonna work together we're gonna go ahead and do this and they have a show out right now that's about soccer that's exactly that and then this one's like you have to be the greediest player in the world 
in order to get this spot. Like, I don't care what what you got to do. Like, you just got to be greedy. And the the way how they put it is um, the, the stakes here, they hire or they bring in 300 of the most um, competitive strikers in Japan. This is after Japan loses the World Cup in 2018. Um, and they say, we need a new striker, somebody who is going to go ahead and do this. And they bring in 300 of like these high school recruits. And they said, here's the, here's the thing. You're going to go through this program. And if any of you guys, you could turn around right now and walk out, go back to your high school lives, do whatever. But the one who comes out of this is going to be the starter and the star for the new, for the new world cup team. And if you lose in this competition, you're not allowed to compete in soccer anywhere nationally. Oof. So that is that is a stake that they put on these kids. And um, if you guys are interested in this and you don't want to read it, uh, don't worry. It is coming out in October as an anime. Um, I unfortunately didn't get to see the first uh, preview trailer that they had at Crunchyroll Expo. But you can go ahead and watch um, how this is going to go ahead and uh, play out. If you guys are interested in reading the manga, uh, book two does come out this upcoming Tuesday. Um, on top of that, if you guys are a fan of Tokyo Revengers, uh, the Omnibus um, of three and four are also coming out this th- uh, this Tuesday. So book one came out. Um, they, they only release them in Omnibuses here. So in other words, like two and ones or three and ones, but this is all two and ones. Um, so yeah, Tokyo Revengers, the second book is coming out um, on Tuesday. So if you're interested in picking that up, definitely go ahead and do that. Um, I'm probably going to let you guys know what I'm picking up in September. Um, I have a whole backlog of like books that I need to go out and get. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that definitely will be an update on on the Twitter sometime soon. Now, when you buy like manga and or mm-hmm. books like that, Kevin, do you prefer getting single issues or do you like waiting for the omnibuses? Because for me, like it would be more economical. Like I, I I've collect like for for example, um, I didn't read Invincible when it was in the single issues, but mm-hmm. I picked up like the big collector omnibuses when mm-hmm. I started watching the show. Um, and like, it's much more economical that way. It honestly saves a lot of space. Um, Mm -hmm. but I also like, like having the single issues and reading them when they come out every week. So if it's for me, like if it's a series that I can't get single issues of, I'll go with the omnibus. Uh, if I, if I have to go single, I mean like, yeah, I'll go with the omnibus then. But like, typically I'm a single issues kind of guy, even though it takes a lot of space and money. I am totally in the same boat as you, but um, yeah, some some of the times when for at least manga, sometimes because just for the sake of economy, they will just bundle two volumes in one and they'll just uh-huh. release it as like one issue. Um, the one that I'm currently keeping up with as well, that um, it does have a Netflix adaptation, which is good. It's a good one. Um, Alice in Borderlands um they are releasing yeah so they have the the manga in the u.s is only released in um in packs of two so it has it's like book one but it has volumes one and two um and i know that they did that same thing for uh 
Otokoi, which is another series that I desperately love, would recommend to anyone. Um, but for me, when it does come down to like getting series that I like, um, I prefer to keep up with like things that are currently being released. So I'll buy what I do since I have a membership to a Japanese bookstore. I mean, Kinokuniya. I know that you guys have one in Little Tokyo as well. Um, so I've never I, figured out where it is. It's I've across the street. I, I've been, I've been to that one multiple times, and I do like the layout. It just takes me a okay, little bit of where, time to get where, there. What is it right next to? Because again, I, I work in Little Tokyo every year, and I've never found it. It's like, um, where's the, what's the name of that market? There's a market underneath, and then you go up the stairs, uh, and then it's, uh, okay. You know what? I'm gonna find it on the map for you. <laughs> uh but in the meantime like usually i buy them when they're released um just because like i like to add them to the collection as it goes over time uh-huh. um but at the same time like what i do because i know the release calendar um i go on like a day where i know that not not like know that they'll be all available but i know that like if i go there i i can pick up a lot of them at once so um as stated, like this whole month oh, they of have August, one in Santa Monica too. Yes. Um. Oh, yeah. One of my uh, one of my old teammates from my Overwatch team works at that Santa Monica one now. Oh. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> small world. Um, but yeah, for me personally, I like to wait until like I know that there's a lot of books that I could go pick up. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just go there and just, like, scoop up a ton of them. So, like, whenever I go to Kino, like, whenever I let my parents know, like, hey, I'm going to Kino Kunio, they're like, okay, you come back with, like, 80 books. I'm like, <laughs> I, I know, like, I have a shopping list. Like, I go in and I know exactly what I want. Um, I do browse, too. So, like, I look around and I'm like, okay, if this looks interesting, maybe I'll pick it up. Or um, if this looks like a like a very interesting series by either the front or the back cover, I will take a shot at it. Um, and then depending on how I feel about it, I will continue it or I will drop it. So, um, yeah, it, it happens. There's a lot of series that like I pick up and I'm like, yeah, this is good. Or like, yeah, this is interesting. I'm down to read more about this. So, um, yeah, definitely going to keep you guys updated on everything that does come out when it comes out. Um, we are waiting patiently for, for a lot of like other, other books to come out. Um, but yeah, uh, most of August is going to drop after the, after the 30th, which is this upcoming Tuesday. Like I'm definitely got to make my trip. I got like eight books that I got to pick up. So, uh, that, that's how, that's how it operates. Well, speaking of like anime and, and manga stuff, um, so Kevin, you, you know, of the, uh, the, the very famous, anime sailor moon right yes that was a a japanese created show um and it came to america and it was dubbed by i think the the company is is d how do you dic how do you pronounce that it's deke right or is it yes it is deke it's deke okay yes i remember like watching it and like they said deke as a kid yeah yeah. to make sure yeah Um, you're you're not giving them the d (laughs) (laughs) all right i'm not i'm not incorrectly saying that okay um so apparently way back in the day um folks wanted to bring that show to america 
and they wanted to make an American version of the show. Um, I'm not exactly sure what year this was, but I'm assuming it was the 90s because Sailor Moon was a 90s show, right, Kevin? Yes. Yes, I I believe. Yeah, so um, apparently they wanted to make it an American show, but it never got past the pilot. They only made the one pilot episode, which was never really aired. Um, and the only way that anyone knew it existed or ever saw it, because there was a, there was a convention where they showed this footage and people recorded it. And that was the only way people were able to see it until then. Um, apparently, uh, there's a YouTuber named, um, Ray Mona. Um, her real name is Raven Simone, which is interesting because she's not the Raven Simone that everyone knows from that. So Raven, but she, um, she has a two part series on her YouTube channel, which I haven't watched it because it's like, I think it's like three and a half hours total in length of her trying to, to track down this animated pilot. Um, but she was able to do it. She was able to find it. She also uploaded the 10 minute video of just the pilot itself to, um, to youtube so if you go to her her channel it's raymona r-a-y space m-o-n-a um and it's very interesting because it's not completely animated like the japanese version is it's partly animated and partly live action which is a very strange choice apparently it's like um you know, honestly, I don't even know why it, it's like that. I, I guess just different tastes, but also like looking at the animation of the American version, the Japanese is far superior. I don't know if that's just me being used to the way the Japanese look. It's just I think it I don't think the American version looked good. And I <laughs> honestly, maybe it's a good thing that it never went past the pilot and that everyone just had to watch the Japanese version. Yeah, I I agree with uh with with the whole idea of it being scrapped. I really didn't need to see, you know, the, this uh western Sailor Moon adaptation. Uh the the thing that like this gives me is like really bad like old school like Disney Channel vibes. Yeah. You know, like it's It's like you mix Disney and Hanna-Barbera animation together. It it's like if it's like if you tried to get the best of both worlds out of Lizzie McGuire and like the Looney Tunes and nothing really good came out of it. Calling okay. it Looney Tunes is giving it too much credit. Yes, exactly. It's not even that. It's 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 pretty it's pretty rough. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> like it's very um, clearly like early-ish 90s. Yeah, and like it it's something about like the aesthetic and like the idea of sailor moon that is very not just you know japanese ideal like japanese anime like stylized right um but it's also just like how the character behaves and like the little nuances of like it's it it is once again it is like in the basics of it sailor moon is a coming of age story and like just like characters getting used to life and stuff um but also somehow fighting like bad guys and having a guy who shows up for two seconds puts on a mask and leaves um <laughs> he's just... in the, he's in the american version <laughs> yeah he, he shows up very very briefly 
because again uh, they were they were trying to keep it mysterious for the pilot yeah and i don't i don't know if it was a good idea to just try to take it i honestly think i i liked it when they just like put the episode straight up like they yeah you dub it and then you just put it up and that would have been that that's what we got and i'm glad that we we kept it this way what i will say that i think was very interesting and i i guess i appreciate about the uh the american version is that like the cast is very diverse like the girls are like across races you have a girl who's like in a wheelchair so instead of like flying around and fighting she like has this if you've seen like professor x's like wheelchair floaty thing from the uh the cartoons in the 90s it looked like that kind of it's like she has got this floating pod that she can go around and like will shoot out lasers and stuff so i think that um at least that would have been a good source of representation had it been made i don't really remember what the um the cultural landscape was in the 90s because i mean we were born in 95 kevin so we didn't really get we probably don't remember a whole lot of what it was like but again now as i'm thinking about it i'm not remembering though how how normal it was to have a diverse cast because i mean it's only now really that representation has become an issue that has been brought to the forefront and people are trying to remedy it but then again in the 90s you had shows like captain planet where every single member of the cast was a different ethnicity and from a different country so um i don't know if maybe these two shows were anomalies but I mean, I think it would have been it was an encouraging sign that at least that was how they would have casted it. And that was the direction they were going. That's not just a bunch of like white American folks appropriating or not even appropriating, but claiming Sailor Moon as their new thing. At least it was a little bit diverse and they did have an Asian girl in it, so. Do you remember Captain Planet, Kevin? <laughs> I remember Captain Planet. And I also remember the Don Cheadle. Not Don Cheadle. Was it Don Cheadle? It is Don Cheadle. You, I it was Don Cheadle. You introduced me to the Don Cheadle. Yeah. That's the <laughs> that's the real Captain Planet. Wait, why like, did I, I ask you if you remember Captain Planet if you showed me the Don Cheadle thing? I'm dumb. <laughs> no, it, it happens. I mean, yeah. That's the real Captain Planet. If that Captain Planet got a movie, I would watch it. Like... <laughs> Has to be with Don Cheadle. Has to be like foul mouth and just like Don Cheadle is my Captain Planet. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so um, moving on. Um, so this is something that's I don't know if if y'all international folks are still listening to our show. Hi, international folks, if you're listening to our show. Um, but I think this one is mainly a U.S. story. I don't know if Six Flags has any parks internationally. But, um, yeah, this is a U.S.-based story mostly from what I understand. So, Kevin, have you ever been to a Six Flags amusement park? Yes, I have. Which one have you been to? We have Discovery Kingdom in Vallejo, which is like okay, half an hour away from me. How do you like it? Eh, it's okay. Lots of rides are usually like broken. Oh, uh, ew. And uh, when when you're on there, you feel like you might die, but that's a risk you take when you go there. 
I mean, that's a risk you take every single time you go into any theme park, even Disneyland. Yeah. You yeah. could die at Disneyland. Uh, just haunt it forever. Just they they don't allow you to put ashes in the haunted mansion anymore. So <laughs> yeah, they've got cameras. Um, but yeah, so we also have one uh, near me. We have Six Flags Magic Mountain, which with the addition of I, the Wonder Woman Lasso of Truth ride that just opened, I think it has the most roller coasters of any theme park in the world. I think they have 26 total at their, at the, that park, which is, I think for me, driving like city driving with all like the stops and the slow people and the old folks and the red lights it'll take me 15 20 minutes to get there but it's like it's in santa clarita it's where i am um we had our grad night there because uh disneyland wouldn't let us back after one year folks jumped into the uh the lake there to try to swim so we were we've never been allowed back for grad night anyway um so six flags magic mountain um is getting a price increase nationwide because the CEO, um, I think you pronounce it uh, Salim, Salim Basul said that in, in his opinion, that the parks are becoming quote, cheap daycare for teenagers. Um, and, and even though attendance is down since last year, I believe it's down 22%, um, between quarter two this year and quarter two last year. Um, and they've gotten, they've done, and bleh, words, um, from last year. Uh, and a large, a lot of that can be attributed to them getting rid of like free tickets, getting rid of some lower margin items. So like their profits and their, uh, attendance are down. Um, the CEO in order to kind of I guess make up for the profits lost and also try to curtail the amount of teenagers that I, according to him are just being left to run wild at their parks. They are increasing their prices, which is interesting because in spite of the price increase, um, Basul said that he still wants the six flags parks to be seen as affordable for all. Which, if you're increasing the price, like Disneyland knows that it's not affordable for everybody. That's what makes Disneyland, I think, kind of a prestige park is that it's it's not a place you could go to all the time. You have to either get an annual pass or you kind of make a trip out of going to Disneyland. Um, whereas Six Flags, I think it's it's a kind of a thing that maybe you you kind of feel like you go every summer or you go with friends during like Fright Nights or whatever. Um, and in addition to like his perspective of Six Flags being cheap daycare, he said he wanted to move away from the, and this is a quote, the Kmart, Walmart type of customer and more towards the Target kind of customer. And Kmart and Walmart are kind of, I guess, m- more affordable, lower end big box retailers, whereas Target has the the kind of uh, of not reputation, but the the image of being kind of a step above that, a little bit higher class than than going to a Walmart per se. Um, <laughs> and as a way to kind of offset, well, not even offset, I don't know if offset, but like show that they're, they're not just about um, raising things without, raising prices without having anything in return. They're offering new food items, supposedly okay yeah 
Because um, everybody goes to Six Flags for the food. Well, I mean, I back back. I think last year before they got, I think they might have gotten rid of it. But there was there was a news story of a guy out here in Santa Clarita who bought, they think, the unlimited food pass, and every single day he would go to Six Flags to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or maybe just lunch and dinner. I don't know if they're open for breakfast, but he would go to Six Flags to eat every single meal, and I think he saved a lot of money. He probably ruined his health, but he saved a lot of money by just doing that. And then six flags found out, I think, and they stopped the pass because of that. So if the pass was still available, then the food would have been a thing. Yeah, I, I feel that, uh, it, it just learned how to play the system. But in addition to having more food options, which I think was his biggest, most exciting announcement, they want to do a bigger Fright Fest. They want to do an Oktoberfest as ways to kind of draw people in for these special occasions. Um, Fright Fest is not, I wouldn't say it's the best Halloween experience that you could go to, at least in California. Um, I think if you're out here and you're ever coming to LA and looking for a good Halloween experience, go to Universal Studios because they have the budget and they're literally a movie studio. So they have the props and they have the know-how how to make it good. Um, go to the Queen Mary because the ship is supposedly haunted and they the, the, the mazes are really atmospheric and they go all out. I went once and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and after that, um, Knots and Six Flags are kind of like toss up whichever one you're closer you go to but honest uh, and disneyland is its own thing it's not scary it's like family oriented so they, they if you're looking to get scared they did that, that's what they do They're oh is that when Halloween. they make it is that when they make it nightmare they, they make Christmas? It, yeah yeah they start okay, okay they start i think in like late september and then it goes until like mid-January or like February see they didn't do that the last time uh, I went to Disneyland in December which I think I was three or four at the time so never got to experience that I was terrified of the the haunted mansion because I was three and four and I had not discovered the wonders of horror movies yet and and how to enjoy them but yeah um so if you're if you're planning on going to a Six Flags in the future, your price is going up because apparently um, it's not good enough. Like the, the, the clientele isn't good enough. And honestly, like. I feel like it's a very boomer and, and not to just use that that phrase, but it's a very boomer mentality to think, oh, kids are kids are, are, are awful. We don't want teenagers here, but it's like, it, it's a thing where teenagers can in fact be rowdy. And I guess for some guests that could be a concern, but also it's like kids are just trying to have fun on their summer break. And like there, there's been rumors of like one of their, the requirements in the future may be that every group of kids, it needs at least one adult to accompany them, which is really stupid because not everybody has like parents available all the time. And so you're, you're kind of ruining your own image as a place of fun and you're making it harder for people to attend your park. 
Yeah, I I don't know if that's good for business, especially if you're having like trouble, you know, with getting money in the first place, right? You you want to yeah, I mean, like, you want to make it easier for them. Like I understand like saying like, "Oh, we don't want to make it a daycare center." But at the same time, like they're giving you money to yeah. run your park. You take that money and you make your park good and invite more people in. I saw a um I saw a, an interview about this where a woman said that like she has an annual pass and like she works uh, not she works but she she shops at Walmart because she doesn't have the most money but like I guess she wants to have fun sometime so she will she's willing to pay for an annual pass to Six Flags, Six Flags and just go out there whenever she wants to have a good time. Um but like the the comment about like we we're not looking for the Walmart customer we're looking for the Target customer it's like what is my money not good enough for you all of a sudden like I'm giving you like she's like I'm poor and I'm willingly giving you part of my income and all of a sudden you're you're going to insult me like that which is it's again it's it's not the best look and I feel like they're going and and not to and I use these terms lightly. They're looking for like the quality of a customer as opposed to the quantity of their customers. It feels like at this point, and they're going to try to use, they're going to try to offset the amount of, of traffic they would bring by increase, but with that price increase, which I honestly, I don't know if it's going to work because six flags as, as fun as it is, it's not Disneyland. Like if you're going to, if people are going to save up to go to a park, they're not going to go to Six Flags. I don't think they're going to use that money and have a magical time at Disneyland because people remember when they go to Disneyland. Kids love going to Disneyland. It, it's a destination. Six Flags doesn't feel as much of a destination as a park like Disneyland, which is expensive enough as it is. And I mean, if you're going to pick one to blow your money on, you're probably going to pick Disneyland. Yeah, you, you, you make the trip out to Disneyland and like I I would say yeah, Six Flags is is trying to do that, but I I don't think they have either one the properties nor like the like it it just feels bad. Like you want it to be an affordable place where like people can go, but the fact that they're just saying like we're gonna we're gonna just increase the prices so that you know we can get rid of people who we don't like to go to the park. It's, it's just uh-huh. bad money is money at the end of the day. You got, you gotta, you gotta be a business. Well, I mean, we live relatively close to these parks, so it, well, we're going to see the effects pretty much firsthand. If they stay open, if they, if they close or if, if these problems continue for them, Um, if they close, uh, another you know like another six flags i mean i hope that they put up like a smaller disneyland <laughs> i mean either either that or in in reality i would love to have like a u.s like a like a universal studios out here i think that would be a really mm-hmm. cool like thing to have especially closer to sf that would make it a lot like cooler yeah So for me, I think the biggest story of the week that a lot of people have probably been um, been really seeing a lot in the news lately is 
Warner Brothers is pretty much canceling everything that's related to HBO Max. Um, I think we talked about last week, Batgirl getting scrapped in just in relation of talking about Ezra Miller, but the Batgirl movie got scrapped. Um, they've already spent over $90 million right now to make this movie. It hadn't been finished. There were still some like video effects that they needed to make. There were a couple more scenes that they needed to do before they were fully ready. Um, there were also some other movies like Scoob, I think was was completed. The The animated Scooby-Doo movie that they were working on was finished. Um, and still, they decided to pull the plug on that. Um, and also on top of that, like the uh, the creators tried to like, when they found out that the movie had been scrapped they tried to go in and they tried to uh they tried to get the uh the footage of it just to preserve it but they were completely locked out so warner brothers has all of that footage and they're not letting anybody see it um they're still hopeful that maybe at some point in the future if there's like a demand for it kind of like there was for like the release the snyder cut that maybe maybe warner brothers will give them the footage again but like again it's not finished so they'd have to go and they'd have to film everything and finish that up and finish the video effects and do all the mastering and all of that so um it doesn't look like that film is ever going to be released um there are rumors that leslie grace who was supposed to be playing batgirl has been approached by warner brothers to appear in other upcoming DC movies. Like she's not, uh, she's not getting her own film, obviously, but I, it sounds like there might be willing to, um, to give her a, a shot just to continue the character. Initial reports were that a lot of this was being pulled because it didn't do well with test screenings. Um, according to other reports of, of the different earnings calls that have happened, um that resulted in this um it wasn't about like the movie not being good it wasn't about the actors being the talent it was a quote-unquote a strategic change and they wanted to save money so they're using this as a um as a way to get the tax credit according to tony maglio from indiewire this is kind of their approach um content costs can be amortized or assigned a cost that gets recognized by an entity across multiple years over the program or film's expected lifetime. If years on that lifetime remain, a company can remove that asset from distribution and use its remaining cost balance to offset taxable income elsewhere. So they're pulling it in order to um, to use whatever money that they, they would have spent or it would have made, I guess, to offset their taxes because they're trying to cut, what is it, like, 300 million in taxes or something like that is um david zaslov's um approach to it um so 37 titles are being removed from hbo max as well as as this batgirl thing so 37 titles are being removed 25 of them are animation and it seems like animation is really really suffering from the new direction that the new ceo david zaslov is taking so for a lot of animators, like HBO Max was the only place that their content was living. A lot of these shows came from like Cartoon Network and were pulled from the air there, but were put on HBO Max and continued to release new episodes. But now that 
HBO Max was the only place that their show existed and they're being pulled. A lot of these creators are worried that their content will never be seen again. Um, for example, uh, looking at the um, the creator of Infinity Train, which started on Cartoon Network and moved to HBO Max. Um, Owen Dennis changed his Twitter profile up uh, bio to say, creator of Infinity Train, a show that got pulled from HBO Max and can now only be pirated. Um, and uh, so... Hamish Steele, the creator of Netflix's Dead End Paranormal Park, said, What's happening at HBO Max is so scary from a creator perspective. Like making a show for a streamer, you rarely get a chance for a physical release or for it to be to air anywhere else. And being reminded they can delete it from existence, all your work, your portfolio is awful. Um, it, it's very interesting to me and kind of ironic that um, piracy used to kind of be uh, a big thorn in a lot of these creators side because like when you pirate something they're not getting a lot of the revenue from it they're like you don't have to buy um a physical copy of it or you, have, you don't have to like rent or buy it from um like say apple music or somewhere or somewhere digitally because you're pirating it but now it seems that like for some of these creators piracy is the only way that people can watch their content so it's kind of like their salvation now that that preserves their work and it's a it's a sad kind of irony there um on top of these existing shows being pulled from um from, from hbo max there's also six shows or animated projects that were in development that got canned uh, for example batman cape crusader which i was really looking forward to which was being produced by bruce tim jj abrams and matt reeves um all really big names in the world of like both batman and just content creation and, and film and television um that's not being produced um other projects are merry little batman the day the earth blew up a looney tunes movie bye bye bunny a looney tunes musical did i do that halt the halt did I do that to the holidays? A Steve Urkel story, um, the amazing world of Gumball, the movie. Like these are all projects that were greenlit and were are now being completely pulled. Um, uh, HBO Max says that live action kids and family programming will not be part of our programming focus in the immediate future. Um, one of the stars of the the Batman show, Dietrich Bader, like found out through the internet. He didn't. He didn't know that he he his show wasn't being made or or continued until he read about it online, which is is not a way that anybody wants to figure out that they've lost a job. He he wrote, "Well, crap, I was on this hell of a way to find out on Twitter." So that's not great. Um, additionally, um the shazam and aquaman movies have been delayed like this was supposed to be quote unquote the year of dc i remember back when the batman first came out like they were advertising their full slate like there was black adam there was supposed to be aquaman there was shazam batman the flash was supposed to come out this year cyborg i think was was being planned but nope so aquaman was supposed to be coming out on march 17th and now is being pushed to Chris or yeah, March 17th of next year being pushed to Christmas. Shazam was supposed to come out um, in December of this year, right after black Adam, but it's being pushed to at some point next year. 
So um, we don't know what that is and what the strategy behind it is, but just, everything's being pushed. Um, and I, it looks like the reason why a lot of like HBO Max in particular is being scrapped is because Warner's CEO, David Zaslav, doesn't think that streaming is the future. He thinks that he wants to, quote, embrace theatrical and he wants to continue like the traditional TV streaming service. And, and I don't know whether or not he has a point because like as much as like people are cutting the cord for TV, like traditional cable TV, it's still around. Like there's still things that you can only really get mostly with cable, like news or, or live sports or or some like certain programming is only available that way and netflix is dropping like subscribers like mad i don't know if that's just because netflix has a history of canceling the programs that people like the price hikes they always have or whatever but there's been a little bit of a shift maybe a shift away from the streaming service so um david zoslov is is pushing for more theatrical releases he's pushing for more um traditional television and he doesn't like the streaming world um whereas the the previous ceo was kind of a a a, a trailblazer when it came to um the way that streaming was done um he helped start hulu he helped start i mean he started hbo max and they were doing incredibly but now people are kind of hating it and this is the same guy david zoslov who like he he got his start in reality television. He got his start in the really low budget, the really cheap, um, really trashy TV. Like Ninety Day Fiance is is his brainchild, and that has been identified in a lot of um, Warner earnings calls as like their future. It's one of the top priorities for them. Is is this reality based content? Um, and what's more, in the future, HBO Max and Discovery Plus are combining into one service um, because of this merger that happened. And we're not exactly sure how that's going to work. We know that there is going to be like a different set of plans. Like there's going to be a free plan with ads. There's going to be um, other premium tiers that don't have ads. But um, that's pretty much everything that's going on with the Warner HBO discovery debacle right now, a lot of content's being pulled. A lot of creators are having their life's work essentially kept from them and scrapped. Um, a lot of creators are having projects that were previously greenlit pulled out from under them. Uh, and nobody is happy. And I think it's going to take a very, very long time for Warner brothers and discovery in HBO to gain the confidence of consumers and creators. And meanwhile, uh, Ezra Miller and the flash are still a okay by them. Yeah. It, the, the longer this goes, I'm this sorry. That was so much word vomit just thrown no, at all of you. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's all good. It, here's, here's the thing that I'm slowly realizing the longer that we learn about Warner brothers, and everything that has gone on. The longer this goes on, the more I think Don Cheadle won in Space Jam. <laughs> now, now here's my theory, okay? You know how 
first of all, you remember the stakes there. It was like, uh, we're allowed to delete, you know, whatever property we find that we we no longer see fit that doesn't fit in the algorithm, correct? Uh-huh. So, not only are they deleting shows, but also, LeBron is in multiverses. Oh, God. Therefore, therefore he lost, right? Oh, my God, right. Because otherwise, he wouldn't be owned by Warner Brothers. You're everybody, right, right. everybody there wouldn't wouldn't have would have been able to make it out. But man, I I think yeah, and they they tried to glitch the game, right? Doesn't mean they they won it. Mm-hmm. So I I think Warner Brothers won. I think Al Al G Rhythm actually won the game. I hate I hate to say it, but that that is the true answer for uh for space jam no nobody won lebron didn't win does john Cheadle exist in the uh space jam universe then i mean he's the he's the algorithm no no, but but that's algae rhythm that's not don Cheadle. that isn't don Cheadle. so does don Cheadle exist and if so does did did they know that Don Cheadle exists and they based Algae Rhythm off of him? Or was it a completely organic thing that Algae Rhythm happened to look and sound like Don Cheadle? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe they <laughs> were like that's there. that's the ideal. Maybe maybe also, they're just like, like that's what that's the form I want to take. I want I yeah. want Captain Planet. <laughs> i want captain planet that's that's gonna be the title of our of this week's episode um but also like it's it's so ironic to me that speaking of space jam space jam was there like look at us we're warner brothers look at all of these properties that we own and now they are taking pretty much the exact opposite approach and they're completely scrapping all of these ip they're they're not doing anything with them they're canceling them they're throwing them to the gutter so like when we were with DC, when I was working with DC, like we could kind of feel that things were, were shifting a lot. We, we saw a little bit on the inside that like there was a lot of infighting with the company. People didn't know really where things were going. Things were being shifted around, canceled, moved. And it like, it felt like this was like, as soon as that merger happened, it's like, okay, we, it, it is good that we got out when we did. And now that I'm looking at the way that things are operating, it's like I am so, as much as I love DC, as much as I love being Batman on the internet, like I, I cannot imagine what it's like to right now to run DC socials and to look at what's happening in like everything that's being canceled right now. It, it doesn't seem like it's a, a safe and welcoming place to, to be a creator or to, to like to be working there because like you don't know what's happening yeah i I hope that you know i i don't know why the shift is happening like why are we prioritizing like the profits over what the people specifically want because all this does is that it creates like not only more competition it's like it's just bad for business and yeah like it's not only bad for like everybody whose like property now can no longer be shown because it's it's being you know locked behind they technically like they own the distribution rights but there's no way of them to like 
they're not distributing it. Yeah, they're not they own the rights to distribute, but they don't want to distribute. Yeah, so it just becomes like super awkward. And when it does come down to like certain groups that like certain certain shows that we love to see, like I mean, I would love to watch more um close enough by JG Quintel, but we never know if that's ever if we're ever going to get that back. If we're ever going to have like certain shows that like we want to watch like come back and Mm -hmm. i i don't know how else to really get people to to like share it yeah it it's kind of it's the same problem with you know the nintendo properties right where it's like if they're not going to be made available people will find a way and it's gonna be piracy is it's not going to be good for the creators or you know or anyone really now, if you're Leslie Grace and and your movie was just unceremoniously canceled by HBO and Warner Brothers and and Discovery, and they come to you with the offer to like, hey, maybe we'll let you play Batgirl again as like a side role, kind of like how um, the the comparisons were made to Black Widow in the Marvel movies, how she would pop up, but like for the longest time she didn't have her own movie, like. If you're Leslie Grace right now and and you're looking at everything that's happening, do you trust Warner Brothers? Do you take that deal? I I don't think so. I don't I don't think you take that uh I, I don't think you take that deal. Like even though even if the role would be great, like there's not a lot that you can say, you know? Like you you don't you don't get to like really how can I describe it? You can't make the most out of it. Yeah. So I, I feel like it, it's just kind of a weird um it's just a, it's a it's a weird thing that's happening. I don't know how anyone can really trust Warner Brothers anymore. And like everybody seeing this, like who wants to to come pitch a film to Warner Brothers? Like you could you could be working on this this project for a couple years and then either as after it's already been made or when it's so close to being done, who's to say they're not going to pull the plug out from under you just to save money and to, to cut costs? Because like I'm pretty sure the the only the only if or if not the big reason that Zaslav was hired and what he he like kind of pitched himself as is that he was going to be the cost cutter for warner brothers and he was going to save them millions if not billions of dollars so i mean cost cutting is nice and saving money is nice but when the trade-off is losing all of this content and literally and pissing off literally the entire entertainment world i think you've hired the wrong man and if that if that man happens to be the same man who created 90 day fiance and all that garbage. Like I would have looked somewhere else. Then again, I'm not in charge of the hiring, but I would have looked somewhere else. Anyway, that's the news for the week. Any final thoughts, Kevin, anything you want to add, anything coming up that you'd like to promote? That's not going to be shown uh, on HBO Max. Uh, Morty made it to multiverses. 
Hey. Oh, 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 geez, Rick. <laughs> yeah, no Rick, just Morty. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why, but that's just how it is. Uh, I mean, I don't mind. I don't mind Morty. Um, let's see. Is there anything else that I want to talk about? Oh, I'll, I'll just talk about a couple games that I saw uh, come up on my timeline recently. Um, from the creators of Crypt of the Necrodancer and Cadence of Hyrule, um, Necrodance Games have has also now announced um, Rift of the Necrodancer, which is like another... It's a different style of rhythm game. It's more, I would say... It's kind of like a battler rhythm game. So it's an interesting style. They haven't like really announced a lot more of it besides showing like a couple of the game modes. Um, so Rift of the Necrodancer is another one coming out from the Necrodancer crew. Um, the last thing that I do want to mention um, is about Friday Night Funkin'. If anybody has played that rhythm game. Oh, excuse me. If anybody has played that rhythm game. Um, Friday Night Funkin'. Was originally a game on Newgrounds, had a very had a big surge in popularity recently, um, but they only had seven weeks on it, and they announced that they did a Kickstarter a while ago, and I was like, okay, cool, I'll I'll help fund making the full game of this, and recently, I believe, as in like a couple days ago, um, they started shipping out some of the Kickstarter goals and prog uh, progress that they got. Um, so I got my hands on volume one of the Friday Night Funkin' OST or the soundtrack for the for the game. Um, the music is great. I mean, I I love the game for for the music. So um, this is this was just a really excellent pickup, um, and I'm excited to see what else they happen to give out. Um, I know that I have an enamel pin and a jersey or an an enamel pin and a poster coming in. So. Um, I'll definitely let you guys know how that how that plays, and um, yeah, if there's any other cool updates that come out from the uh, from the gaming world, um, the anime world for for the most part, I've been keeping it uh, relatively like mild. We just finished uh, Carol and Tuesday with a friend, um, which if you guys haven't seen Carol and Tuesday, it's on Netflix. Um, it's about two girls who make music and change the world. Um, very very good show. Um, and manga wise, I'm still just reading a couple of older series, um, but yeah, it's gonna be a good week. Hopefully, you know we're slowly approaching the the end of August, um, and yeah, once we get into September, we're gonna have literally one more month. Uh, we have the final like tail end of current. Uh, how can I describe it? The core of anime. That's that's what it is. So we have about five more weeks until the end of the core and then uh i will definitely be hopping headfirst into the october core um and giving you guys a lot of coverage of what i want to specifically cover and what uh what we have you know yeah awesome well thanks guys for uh for hanging out with us this week again sorry for the massive amount of word vomit that came from the warner's brothers section but i mean there's there's a lot that's going on there and i hate it i hate all of it screw david's ass love not a guy that i would like to have in power anyway um not to go back into that topic but thank you guys for tuning in this week and catch y'all next week uh, and have a great week adios 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.